Y'all, we are back again, and welcome to another episode of Late Night Podcast with Bridget and Holly. I'm your host, Holly. And I'm your host, Bridget. So, Bridget, let's tell everybody what we're going to be talking about on, on tonight's podcast. This is your damn, this is your damn subject. <laughs> it's sex after menopause. Sex I don't even, I don't even know where to begin. Yep. Yeah, because unfortunately, she has not went through menopause yet. Now, how you know? Well, so you know because like your cycles will kind of start become becoming absent and obsolete. Okay, like, well, I had a, I had a partial hysterectomy ten or fifteen years ago, so there is no cycle to lose. Oh well, so for you, so you're still having yours? No, I had a partial hysterectomy. I don't have periods anymore. Oh, I thought if you had a partial and they left your did they not did they leave your ovaries? Yeah. Oh, I thought if you did partial and they left your ovaries that you still had one. Mm-mm. I did not know that. Well, I don't know because, like, for example, my mom, she started going through menopause in her early early fifties. Like, I think she was like fifty two, and she went through menopause up until she was like 60 years old. So she went through menopause mm-hmm. for like almost 10 years with some people. So what, uh, what are the, what are the signs of menopause? Let's, let's go through this. Cause there's going to be some younger people watching this kind of want to know. So have you, do you have the list of, of signs of menopause? Well, the one thing that usually is your number one sign is usually your uh, absent period. You'll start getting like, you might have your period in January and it be for a day. And then you might go February without it. Then you'll have it in March and you might have it for, you know, two weeks. Like, you know, irregular cycles, missing cycles. Um, Of course, the hot flashes, hormonal uh, changes. Those are like your three main symptoms that you'll pick up on. But everybody is different because I, I had a complete full hysterectomy. When I was 38, because I had um, the beginning stages of, of uterine cancer, they got it all with my hysterectomy. I had one hot flash three months after my surgery. That was it. That was the only thing that I experienced. I don't experience hot flashes. Um, the hormonal changes. Yeah, but maybe. you're still young. Have you think you've went through? You think you've even went through menopause yet? You might not even went through it yet. I say, I don't know because they tell me to be prepared that after a complete full hysterectomy, it just throws you straight into menopause. But oh. my doctor did blood work and apparently uh-huh. I'm not in menopause. So I don't know if that's later to come or if I just went through mm. it or I, I don't know. Cause I, I don't know. You know, like I said, some people can go through menopause for years or some can go through like a couple of months or, you know, things like that. But one one of the things that when you have, um, you know, when you're going through menopause or when you've had a hysterectomy, it it changes you as a female. For some females, they feel like less of a woman because everything's gone. You know, no ovaries, no you know, fallopian tubes. Like everything, everything's gone down there, and it does mess with you sexually with your hormones. And I wanted mm-hmm. to touch on this subject just because not only because I've had a complete hysterectomy, but working 
where I do, I do deal with a lot of females who come in who are battling the hormonal struggle after life, after sex life, after, you know, going through menopause. Yes. And there's so many things that you can do. There's stimulants that you can take to help kick your libido into overdrive. Um, mm -hmm. Some females experience extreme, like, tightness and it makes sex uncomfortable and hurts. There's easy remedies to that. Like you could get a vibrator, you place it on the inside and just let it run to loosen, loosen up your wilds. Doctors will tell you to do that. And you'll, you'll do that over and over until it kind of gets you back normal to where you feel comfortable, you know, doing it. Do you think it's, and, do you think it's tightness or do you think it's dryness? both because I said that's another thing yeah. that people struggle with is the dryness and you can't just choose any lube you you got to choose a really really good water base or a really really good silicone because if you go and get like for example if you go to Target and get KY jelly KY jelly is a thing in the past it's sticky it gets tacky it dries out Uber Lube, you can get it at your gynecologist's office, any adult novelty store. She said, she said Uber Lube. Uber, Uber Lube. Lube. Yes, because it's, it's a hybrid. So it's water-based and silicone. And it's a very sleek oil-based lube. And it is great for females who are going, you know, through the change who have had hysterectomy and deal with that dryness. But, you know, there, there's a friend of mine who, um, a, a friend of a friend, her, her mom and dad, it, it ruined their marriage because of Ooh. her going through menopause because, you know, it is mm -hmm. something different for me. And, you know, they're used to us being with them, you know, and being in the mood and just being ready for, for, you know, being intimate. And one thing that men don't realize is it's not that we don't want to be intimate. Won't it's just... Right. Yeah, it's just the feelings are are not there to want to have intercourse, you know. And it, it can ruin a lot of marriages, but there are things that we can do as females to help us get there, to help us get in the mood. You know, I, I know for me from having my history, yeah. I mean, you know, there's been times where I'm at work and he's at work and I'm in the mood and it's just gone or either... You know, I'm at home and he's at work and I'm in the mood and he's at work. So the the feeling is very far and few in between when you've had a hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I don't know if I've had one or not. I'll be honest with you. I, I think your sex life as you age slows down anyway. I mean, in your 20s, you're like rabbits. You know, yeah, yeah. you can't have enough. And then when you hit your 30s, everything starts to slow down. And in 40s, it slows down more. In 50s, it slows down more. And I think that's the, the beauty of growing old together is that, you know, you, you're both supposed to slow down. Now, I know for a lot of times, you can have one or the other that the sex drive is more like all the time. You know, like, want, you know, wanting to be together all the time or wanting intimacy all the time. Right. And if one person does and one person don't, that can ruin marriage. I'll be honest with you. Um, in my, in my first marriage, my first husband, he was just like, he was like all the time. And when you have that, even premenopausal, when you have that, if it's kind of like, 
um, eating chocolate. You can love chocolate, but if you eat it every day, all the time, several times a day, you finally get to realize, oh, I don't even want any more chocolate. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So you can get burned out. You, yeah, you can love that. You can love chocolate, but too much is still too much. You know, mm-hmm. so I think it's it's a balance. But I will say, I will say this. I go to the side that if you get in a relationship with somebody that you already know is has a very high sex drive, then you have to kind of maintain that pace with them. Because yeah, I will say if you get if you get into if you get into the relationship, let's see it's it's kinda like a it's kinda like a raw deal because if you get in the relationship, you know, and you're like, okay, I'll give you the I'll I'll use this as an example. I I like to use kind of analogies, things like that. So let's say for instance you get with your husband, you know, let's use Jay, for example, and let's say um, he's really good about washing your car every Friday, you know what I'm saying, and cleaning it out. Right. Well, you get accustomed to him doing, you get accustomed to him doing that. I promise you, if he hits a month where he don't wash your car all month, you're going to be like, what is up with this? Why are you not washing my car? Yeah. What did I do for you not to want to wash my car? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So us as females, if we slow down on our sex drive and we start cutting him off, the first thing he's going to do is wonder why. He's going to notice. He's going to wonder why. He's going to think he's done something wrong. And so I think it's our duty as females to, instead of cutting completely back, you know, slow down a little bit. But at the same time, you still have to, you know, like he would still need to wash your car, even if it didn't do it once a month, twice a month. Right. Don't cut down to nothing. Yeah, don't, don't exactly completely cut it out because, you know, yeah. like I, I said, there's, you know, there's help out there that can help you get that feeling back. No, will you ever get it back like we were when we were in our 20s? But mm-hmm. it's, it's something that will, you know, help you along the way to where you're just not in the mood at all and you just mm-hmm. cut it out your life you know because i've not cut it out my life for me to be going through what i am am i in the mood as, as much as i used to be god no and it bothers mm-hmm. me because i will want to and crave it but that feeling just apparently unfortunately is you know is not there and it it, it right. does suck right. for us and i think Females who are going through the change, who's had a hysterectomy, I highly recommend that you do sit down and talk to your husband. Because if you don't and you don't explain to them what your body is about to go through and how it is going to affect your sex life, it it could be a downward spiral for your marriage. You got to, you know, make them understand and see, hey, this is not me. This I have no control over this. This is my body and what it's doing. So I highly recommend, you know, if you're going through that, sit down and talk to your husband. Make them understand. But there's also things that you can do, too, you know, to help at least keep it going and not cutting it completely out. Well, I think, too, I think, too, what affects that is I've noticed this. And when I talked to my doctor about it, he said it's very normal. Um, I think orgasms for females after a hysterectomy is less. It's way less. less. Because you don't have way less. Yeah. I w- you know, I wouldn't say way I mean I still you still yeah, but you it is the intensity of it is is much less. And so I think because there isn't the same climax that it used to be, you know, pre hysterectomy or uh 
pre-menopause, I think yeah. that that's where some of the loss of the interest in it comes in because it's kind of like telling a guy, you know, I want you to sit here and perform, but I don't ever want you to really climax. I just want you to kind of just, you know, just fit, you know, just sort of, and then find out how much interest you have in it after that, you know, right. but you know, I'm fortunate because I've always had a, a pretty strong interest, you know, in, 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 can we say sex? Yes, I think we can on YouTube, but, you know, in sex and things like that. But um, I think me and my husband both have slowed down equally. You know what I'm saying? Saying yeah. like, we're not our, we are 50s sex life. You know what I'm yeah, saying? In your 20s, it was every, every day. Yeah, exactly. And I think that helps. I think when you have a relationship where you're not on the same page, you're exactly yeah. right. That's where communication is key. Because if, if you know, and I, I don't, I think you have to meet in the middle. You Definitely. know, for women, you like have I said, to. you have to. Yeah, to go, to be like, nope, I just, I don't want anything anymore. And then cutting completely off and then him wanting it all the time. It's got to be uh, somewhere in the middle. You know. Yeah, I, I totally agree because, you know, just cutting it off, no, you don't want to do that. And, and I will tell you, a lot of females, when you're going through menopause, 95% of female orgasms are clitoral. It's very hard for mm -hmm. females to get a, a vaginal orgasm. And especially when you get older and you're going through menopause, they're almost damn near obsolete. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something that you may not know. Oh God. Tell me, girl. Do you know that my, do you know that my husband can give, he could give me a massage and I can have an orgasm? Girl. See, now I will say something. It's on podcast. So I don't know if I want to air it, but. <laughs> I know I probably said too much for that. <laughs> I just say, I know what you mean by that because there's yeah. two little things that can really trigger it for me but it's kind of embarrassing because one is really embarrassing and shocked my husband that I was able to do that <laughs> well see for me it kind of came as a surprise because he's he's for years he's always massaged me but it, right. I think it happened after my hysterectomy and and he he was just massaging me one day, and once I kind of honed in to whoa, that was pretty neat. Then you know, and and next time he would give me a massage, I would focus on a little bit. Now, mind you, I've always hounded his for massages. Oh, but I really hound him now. <laughs> oh, I bet. I mean, that's a guarantee. Oh, right there, guarantee. Oh, yeah. that's all you need, and then you oh, see. She did it so discreetly. She called it, oh, I'm just out here blaring shit out. You know what I'm saying? I just don't know how long this podcast is going to stay up. Oh, my God. It is, it's all due from having to, the, I, I forget that we're on YouTube. And I don't, you know, have to be so discreet like I do on TikTok. So, in my head, it's yeah. like zucchinis and, you know, um, clobber and, and, and the VJJ when, you know, I can... You know, come out and say vagina and clit. And Why don't you come up with zucchini instead of eggplant? Eggplant. You know, I, I get asked that all the time. They're like, don't change it. We love that you say zucchini, but what made you come up with zucchini instead of eggplant? And I honestly don't know. I, I, I don't know. Like, I was just at work, and I literally was recording 
my story time and I said the word zucchini and just ran with it. And somebody called it out in the comments. I'm like, well, it's too late now. It's just zucchinis. So that's, I think that's more popular now. I April. thought that was your vegetable of choice. Oh, no, it just, it just kind of just <laughs> come out. So, so right. it's, it's zucchini. It will be weird to say eggplant now, you know, it will be, it will be weird to say that. So I think for you, what you're trying to tell women is if they've gone, gone through menopause, if they've had a hysterectomy and maybe went through early menopause and they have found that they're losing an interest in sex or intimacy. And noticing that their bodies are changing. Yeah. Don't feel abnormal because it is very normal. Exactly. It's completely normal. And there is all kind of help out there. There's also support groups that you can join on Facebook you know, Instagram, like there's all, even on TikTok, you know, there's all kind of support groups that you can join to talk to other women and hear their side because you're not going through it alone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, I haven't, I, you look, I guess the reason it hasn't been such an issue for me is because me and my husband are on the same page. You know what right. I'm saying? Like we're at the age, we're at the age now that probably, <laughs> You know, a couple times a month is pretty normal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, some months more than more than others, some months less than others, but that's kind of where your average is. Yeah. Um, also, you got to remember, though, my husband has been, ever since he got COVID in 2022, he's been battling with sickness. So that has also affected, you know, um, the frequency, you know what I'm saying? Because if he's yeah. if he's having a week that he doesn't feel good or he's sick or he don't, you know, he's down or whatever. But I do think, just like you said, communication is key. If a it woman's is. going through that, if she's feeling that way, um, and, you know, menopause, I've heard. Again, I don't know if I went through it or not. Um, I, I have went through a spell where I had hot, maybe <coughs> pre-menopause or something. Because uh, I did go through a spell where I would get frequent hot flashes. But, you know, menopause can also make you real moody. Yeah, it, it will. It can affect you. It can turn you from, like, the sweetest angel to a bitch in 0.2 seconds. Yeah. It will. Everything yeah. and anything will crawl up under your skin and annoy you. Now, I will say. Okay, then going, I take that back. I went through I went through menopause when I was 18. Because I've been, I can, go, I can go from zero to a bitch in 2.2 seconds. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> so you went through it. I, went, I guess I went through it a long time ago. Yeah, long I did, time I did. ago. But yeah, you. Yeah. I. I will have to say that I went through. I mean, it's been quite a few years ago. It was almost instantly after my surgery. I'd say probably for almost a year. If I could pinpoint and think of the one thing that did change with me, it was my mood because there was probably for almost about a year that my skin would just crawl and things would annoy me so much. Like I just, I was so moody, just so moody. And that lasted for about a year, but I thank God that that, that is gone. You know, I don't have yeah. that anymore. You know, things don't irritate me as much and I can just let it roll off my, my back now, you know, but the, mm. yeah, ugh, not, that was not a fun year for that. I just asked my family. <laughs> oh, well. Bless. Bless. Well, at least, at least you're getting through it. And like I said, there's a lot of other women out there that, 
maybe struggling with it and things like that. And and like you said, you had mentioned, you know, when you go through a hysterectomy, especially a full hysterectomy, do you feel less of a woman? I don't think I experienced that with the partial hysterectomy. I'm just going to tell you, I, I don't understand me sometimes because I'm a beast of a different creature and a different nature because very, very little gets to me. And I think it's because I have went through so much shit that I've just been like, okay, just a little yeah. bit. You know, so it's like when I went through those changes or when I had the partial hysterectomy, it was, I actually had the hysterectomy. And the doctor told me the day I had it, I had it like, at, you know, they'll always do surgeries early in the morning. But I had the partial hysterectomy and then went ahead and did the bladder tack. He said, well, I'm in there. I'm just going to go ahead and do a bladder tack, you know, because I, after having kids, especially three of them, I would go through the coughing, sneezing, anything you did, you'd leak. And uh -huh. so he went ahead and fixed that. It fixed me right up. And I woke up, come out of surgery. And he looked at me and I said, so when can I go home? I think it was supposed to be an overnight thing. And my doctor says, well, I mean, when you can get up and walk, walk the hall a, a complete round, I grabbed my, uh, that little rolly thing that has your fluids on it. I grabbed it and I said, well, move out of my way. And I went to trucking around that hallway and him and all the nurses was just like in all staring at me. And I was like, and I come back around. I said, can I go home now? He said, well, I guess you can. Do and you... I left the hospital and went shopping, went shopping. Now oh, I didn't do all that, but I will tell you out of every single surgery that I have had from brain surgery to, um, a complete hysterectomy, emergency appendectomy. I have shot every single nurse and doctor because after every, now I, I had to stay in the hospital a couple of days after my brain surgery and my appendectomy, but my hysterectomy, I came home the same day, but every single surgery, I was like, when can I go home? They're like, well, you know, you got to walk around, you got to, got to pee and all this stuff when we see you pee and, and poop and all that crap. And I'd get up, I'd use the bathroom, and I'd walk, be fine, wouldn't be out of breath or nothing. And their jaws would just be like, and I'm like, well, isn't that what most oh, people do? You know, you get up and you walk around. Yeah. And I mean, oh, no. I, that's just what I've most done. And I didn't do struggle. Can you imagine? I can imagine my husband having to have a hysterectomy. He'd be in the hospital for six days. Oh, God. I can see Mr. Ronnie now. <laughs> Men, men do that. But I'll be honest with you. I think, um, I don't know. I think the heart, I'm like you, I've went through a lot of surgeries too. Yeah. I don't know. What would I say my hardest surgery was? I don't know what I would say my hard, hardest surgery was. I think probably my toughest one, I was in the hospital the longest when my appendectomy because my numbers were high and it was because when he opened me up, my appendix literally was rupturing so i was in the oh, hospital wow. and this was during covid so i couldn't have any visitors nobody there with me that was a little scary but you know i made it through surprisingly because it just I, I i get scared like that when you go to the hospital you want somebody you know your family your loved ones mm -hmm. there with you and um so i was in there for i think about three or three or four days and then my hysterectomy i come home that day and saying, well, my, my brain surgery, I think it was like two days I spent, or maybe one night, I can't remember. That one was, I think, my worst one. 
because I mm-hmm. still can feel like I was cut from here to here. And mm-hmm. he had to open up my skull and like patch it and and everything. And it's a feeling you never get rid of. I can still feel the tightness. Nowhere near like it was the first mm-hmm. time. But that was painful. I woke up with a headache. I was in so much pain. So I I think mm-hmm. to me that was my that was my worst one to to me. Right. Well, and like you said, you've got females too that they'll have to undergo hysterectomies like yourself in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. Um, It's more common at a And then they have to, yeah, and then you have to go through the the whole, because I know you went through a whole phase of kind of mourning the fact that you couldn't have any kids yourself, right? Yeah, because I I suffered, I've always suffered with PCOS anyway, which made it extremely hard for me to be able to get pregnant. And so, you know, here I am, 38, going to the doctor. She's telling me, you know, she wanted to try and leave the ovary, but she said, if it looked grimy, she was taking it. She said, but I need you to understand, are you just, you know, you no longer have an option to even try to have a child. And I was like, I'm okay with that. You know, I got, I got Jojo. That's all I need. You know, would I like to have another child like or had a child? Yes, that, that would have been, been amazing. But it just, it, I think it was in the cards for me to just have JoJo and that be it. I think that was, right. you know, why me and Jason met, why we got together. Because I wanted a kid so bad and could never have right. one. And I think that's why he right. came into my life because of her. So I told her I was okay with it. You know, I had tried for years and years and years and nothing happened. And I'd rather her get the cancer and get everything then, right. you know, something happened Take from it. Thing. And, yeah, and right. me be here for longer, more years to come to be with my family and my friends. Now, has, did did that fix everything for you or did they, have they ever, have you had to go back and have any kind of cancer screenings or anything since then? Has everything been normal since then? Um, everything's been normal. You go for like a checkup here and then they you go every so many years. And so I went for like my first checkup, then... I can't remember how many years after I went for my second one and I had graduated from seeing the cancer doctor to just regular screenings. Now I have not been in the last probably three years. Um, cause you, I, I can't remember how many you go for when you have a history. I don't know if it's the first five years or the first mm-hmm. 10 years. I almost want to say five. I don't know. I have to Google it and stuff, but I do get checked by my family doctor and everything, and everything's still good, and stuff, so I, I went for a couple of the visits, and stuff, but after a while, I just, I quit going. Yeah, now I had, um, I had dysplasia, which is pre-cancer, it's cervical cancer, and it was pre-cancer, and, um, and they did the leak procedure, basically, is where that come from, and, uh, and, and they kind of took care of everything, but, you know, and that, I guess, even though this is a podcast about uh, <laughs> menopause and stuff, I also want to urge all young women to get your pap smears. That is yes. the most thing you can do to be vigilant and making sure that, you know, because this is where a lot of people don't understand that a lot of your cervical cancers and, you know, ovarian cancers and all this, 
they come from a sexually sexually transmitted diseases. They do. And they come from a virus called HPV, human papillomavirus. virus. Yeah. And that is spread through sexual contact. And so if you are active and there is that Gardasil shot, and I never gave it to my daughter because it only covers like so many strains and it was the common strains and stuff like that. But I just, I really felt like for her, if she was just vigilant and going to her pap smears and stuff, she could stay on top of that. But I urge every woman right. to do that, you know, to go to that. Now, mammograms and stuff, I'm not good at that. I'm 50 and I've only had one. <laughs> and I'm I've not had one yet. Have you not? Well, you're only forty something, though, aren't you? Yeah, but they they've scheduled me to go like two or three times, and I I just I just haven't went. Okay, well, let's make a pact right here, right now, that we're both going to get our mammograms before the end of the year. Okay, we will make a pact to get that done because that is important. Okay. You know, just like going to your gynecologist. You know, and getting checked there, it, it's important to get your breast checked just as well. Because our early detection yeah. is key to everything. Early detection, yeah. even exactly. if you feel like it may not be nothing, but you just feel something is off or you've got a weird feeling, yeah. go to the doctor. Yeah. Because you'd rather it be nothing than something. And if it is something, yeah. they've caught it early enough. Exactly. And, so, you know, yeah. like I always say, you know, self, self breast exams and, and things like that. And right. if there ever is something that feels up. Now, that's the thing uh, about the uh, human papillomavirus and the turning into dysplasia. I had no idea. It was a, it was very silent. It wasn't anything that, you know, it was just I, I'd never went to my pap smears like I should. I had my second son, Wesley, in 93. I got preg pregnant with my daughter um in 98 and i go to the gynecologist just thinking you know it's your normal routine just no um, you know baby care baby care visit and yeah. he ends up telling me he ends up telling me at that appointment that i i you know i had an irregular pap smear they come back they ran some tests they told me i had dysplasia which I, it was a it was you have the mild moderate and, and severe and mine was uh moderate to severe it was getting ready to turn into cancer so i saved my daughter getting pregnant with her saved my life because oh definitely it, thank know, god mm -hmm. yeah thank god but for that. he ended up checking it and they didn't do the leak procedure till after she was born but as soon as she was born they did that so uh luckily it didn't didn't go any further than that but definitely get checked but yeah you know, i mean that's just what i tell everybody good advice to go by But anything else on the sex after menopause? No, I think we covered it. Just take care of your body. Take care of your relationship. Be open. Talk to your spouse. Let them know what your body's going through. Let them know there is help out there. But take care of your body. Take care of your marriage. And the bottom line is sometimes you be having to, you be having to do it when you don't want to do it, but just do it. Exactly. <laughs> Just sprawl eagle and, and, and get with it, okay? <laughs> that's right. All right, guys. I think that's all for today. If Holly don't have anything else, I don't have anything else to add. We've kind of touched base on a little bit of everything female and what us females go through. And it's it's a lovely life being a female. I'm just going to tell you like now. Oh, it's amazing. Show is. But, yeah, but next week, our show is going to be neglectful husband or unappreciative spouse. 
podcast. So we're going to talk about the, the arguments between, yep, husband and wife. Is he doing enough or you just don't appreciate what he's doing? But right. anyhow, thanks for joining us again today. And Holly, I'll let you take us out. All right, y'all. We'll see y'all next week. Y'all have a good one. Bye.